Seamus, the case of the oily preacher, part two. What was Strike told is based on the Pulp Fiction short story, Nick Carter Strikes Oil, author unknown. Pat Wings and I spent the rest of the night talking about old cases and wild adventures. It was the good time I needed to have. I agreed to meet Pat at her office the next day to get more info on the case. As I stepped through the heavy double doors of the police station, a touch of nostalgia rose over me. The lobby, with its orange, hard plastic chairs lined up and bolted to the floor, had a scattering of people slumped here and there. The background hum of people talking, phones ringing, and the smell of reheated Chinese food and B.O. permeated the air. I felt the smile crook the corner of my mouth. Some of the happiest times of my life was when I was a cop. Or maybe it was because Abby was still around. I stopped smiling. My old sneaker squeaked, crossing the two white linoleum floor towards the information desk. A copper-top young officer with so many freckles that they almost merged into one was sitting behind the desk talking on the phone. He didn't seem to notice me. I waited for the guy to hang up the phone. He barely glanced up. Can I help you? Yeah, I'm here to see Patsy Dan. You- Captain Danny was pretty busy these days. She expecting you? She is. Name? Hunter James! Before I can get the words out, Jack Macon, with his usual subtle grace, bellowed my name across the precinct lobby. For about three heartbeats into forever, everything stopped. It felt like the entire building had just paused their lives to stare at me. So much for keeping a low profile. Thanks, Jack. Jack Macon, how you doing? When did you get old? As I stepped forward to shake his hand, someone hit the play button, and the station began to hum once again. He shook my hand vigorously, slapping me on the shoulder with a smile that spread from ear to ear. You'd think he just won the lottery. I heard you were back in town. Good to see you. How long has it been? Ten? Twelve years? Something like that. Jack was an alright guy. He joined the force sometime between Patsy and me. He'd always been another cop on another ship to say hi to in the halls. He was a good guy that you could depend on to have your back. I'm glad he made it out here. We filled the space with the usual chit-chat of catching up. What are you doing these days? How's life? He offered his condolences for Abby. I asked him about his wife and kids. Jack had changed a lot more than Patsy. He was balder, softer around the middle, and... I even think he shrank a little. I swear he used to be taller. Maybe we all used to be taller. He called out to the desk officer. Hey, Peters. He's good. I'll walk him back. The officer waved us off before grabbing the phone again. I followed Macon to the elevators and headed up. How long are you in town? A couple days. I only came in for the party. Isn't it amazing? Patsy Danube, the rookie we all thought wouldn't make it a week, against all odds, shot past all of us to be chief. (laughs) It's great. Eh, maybe for her. I never had aspirations to be chief or anything. 
Too much responsibility in politics for me. <laughs> You're probably right. Patsy stood at her desk, shuffling through a stack of files. Her office was a sea of boxes in various states of fill. Manila folders and picture frames still cluttered her desk. Hey, Captain, I found a 1054 down in the lobby. Patsy's head snapped up, completely serious before splitting into a huge grin. Ha ha, Jack. Funny. Hunter, you don't look dead. And you smell a lot better than a dead guy as well. He's not dead. Hunter always looks like that. Come in. Thanks, Jack. Sure. Catch up with you later, yeah? Uh, yeah. Sure. You have a fan. Great. How's the move going? She looked at the mess around her and shrugged. Uh, no comment. Uh, where's your buddy Wings? Out earning his keep. Do I want to know what that means? Probably not. So tell me about this preacher. Pat hands me a slim manila folder. One Reverend Harrison Lowe from Iowa. He flew into town on Tuesday at 6.35 in the morning. Around noon, Lowe and his business partner, Steve Bigelow, arrived for lunch at a diner downtown where several witnesses have reported seeing Lowe having an argument with a man outside. Any idea who he was arguing with? Yep, Alan Strike. He runs a small ranch and runs an equally small herd of cattle now. He tried to farm, but couldn't get anything to grow. He's got a small place outside of town. Witnesses claim Strike was accusing the Reverend of cheating him on a business deal. Any details about the discussion? Yep. Lots of witnesses. It was a pretty public argument. What did they say happened? We were able to piece together the gist of what was said. I don't care how you dress it up. You scam me. You told me you were building a school. I sold you that section to you for cheap because of the school. You've got oil rigs staged out there. There ain't no building materials for a school out there. I'm going to have roughneck just feet for my children. Mr. Strike, please stop yelling and tell me what you're talking about. Another man's lack of business sense is not your problem, Reverend Lowe. His accusations are serious, Mr. Bigelow. Did you tell him we were building a school? Damn straight they're serious. You cheated me. You knew what was going on. Your name was at the top of all the letters I got. I wish you wouldn't swear. Swear? Oh, preacher, you listen to me. The only thing I swear is if you come near my family or my farm, I'll nail your pie skin to my barn door. You, you false shepherd. Let the ravings of a lunatic upset you. Mr. Strike seems pretty sure he was cheated in some way. You assured me that everything in the venture was legal and fair. It is. Straight and narrow all the way. Mr. Strike had land that's no good for grazing or growing squat. It was useless to him. We negotiated a price. He agreed. We paid him. Contract didn't say nothing about what we were going to do there. What could be more fair and legal than that? It's business. Someone always thinks they should have gotten more than they did. It's proof of how lucrative this venture really is. 
As I told you, I came out here to see our company at work, but I can't seem to find anything but your office. As I've said, these things take time. I have rigs stacked and ready to go, but there are permits and paperwork. You know how the government is, always preying on small businessmen. There's oil under that land. I tested it myself, guaranteed. I still want to talk to Mr. Strike. There must have been some misunderstanding. But if I found out you cheated all these good people, I'll put an end to it. Of course. We can discuss it over lunch. Oil. That's the rumor. That land has been in Alan Strike's family for generations. He is one of the few landowners who still own the mineral rights. Was it a crooked deal? Eh, it appears to all have been legal. As to fair, that remains to be seen. You want a cup of coffee? Sure. You think the preacher was in on it? Pat's brow furrowed and she paused by the coffee pot sitting on the table behind her. She thought about the question for a long time before grabbing the pot handle. I don't know. His background came back clean. He's the pastor of a small rural congregation, been married for 20 years with two grown kids, not even a parking ticket. Wouldn't it be the first time a criminal hid in plain sight? What do the neighbors of serial killers always say? He was such a nice, quiet guy. Right. You still take your coffee black. You got any chicory? What? Black's fine. What about Lowe's partner, Bigelow? Slicker than the oil that might be under Strike's ranch, but nothing I can bring him in on. What did he have to say about it all? Just that. It was a legal business transaction and Mr. Strike had no grounds to complain. No one put a gun to his head. He did mention that Strike had threatened Lowe. That's something. What happened after that? Around 1.30 p.m., witnesses saw Reverend Lowe in another verbal altercation at the restaurant as he was leaving. Strike? Nope. This man's name is Carter, and he had a lot to say. Thank you for listening to Seamus. If you liked this episode of Seamus, please leave a review and tell your friends. Seamus, the case of the oily preacher, part two. What was Strike told? is based on the Pulp Fiction short story Nick Carter Strikes Oil, author unknown. Hunter James was played by Patrick Brancato. Patsy Danube was played by Marsha Hinton. Officer Peters was played by Matthew Greff. Jack Macon was played by David Doyle. Reverend Lowe was played by Tom Hinton. Steve Bigelow was played by Tom Hinton. Alan Strike was played by Thomas Thompson. I'm Leslie Woodroff. This episode of Seamus was written by Raven Wisdom and directed by Gene Phillips. Sound design for Seamus is provided by OpenMicRecordingStudio.com. Seamus is a New Meadows Media production. All rights reserved.